Welcome to the Tennis Addict Podcast, the podcast for tennis fans by tennis fans. Listen as the hosts break down the latest news and tournament results from around the tennis world. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced early each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Here are your hosts, Mike, Eric, and Michael. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm here with my brother and my co-host, Eric. Hello, everybody. All right, so we are here in this episode to cover the World Tour uh, Finals in Singapore for the women's side. This is the pretty much this is the official end, I think, to, her, to the entire women's tour, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't think anything else is played after this, but certainly all the top women are definitely done for the year. If there's anything else played, they're not participating. And yeah, I don't think there's anything until like after Christmas or something like that that it kind of starts to pick up those little tiny tournaments. Again. Yeah, I mean this is this is the end for them. I mean this is they get a little more time off than the men do because they get done now as opposed to the men who have several more tournaments to go before they get to the end of their season. Uh, but we have this to cover, and then we're also going to take a look at the Paris Masters preview. We'll make our quarterfinals and onward pick picks as we usually do. So, Eric, uh, this is going to be a four-setter. Uh, first off, we have the news, then we'll do the tournament results. We'll do the World Tour Finals in Singapore uh, review, and then we'll do our picks and take a look ahead at Paris. So, Eric, why don't you start off and uh, start out with the news in set one? All right. So, there's um, <clears throat> three main topics for the ATP we're going to go over and one for the WTA. First is um, a revelation from Roger Federer uh, told us that he suffered a hand injury uh, during the grass court season, which affected him up until recently. And it must have been something that wasn't too obvious because obviously nobody knew about it. I never saw anything that would have led me to believe that he was dealing with a hand injury. So um, he did say it affected him up until recently, um, which I guess you could look at. Um, you know, he did win. So I just don't know what type of injury it was. And, and it reads specifically, he didn't state specifically. So it could have um, been a sprain on his hand. Yeah. He could have. It could just been something that was uh, jammed a thumb. Yeah, he could have like jammed a thumb. You just know, uncomfortable. That, made made things a little made things a little difficult out there on, on a daily basis. Maybe maybe day to day it wasn't bad, but you know it could flare up and and make it difficult. Exactly because you know to be on top, it either he, either we would have known about it because he would have had to have taken some real time off. But if not, you play. They play basically every day. A little bit of practice. So, you know, if it was an injury to the hand, like you said, you're not even really giving it the time to heal. You know, you're still doing a little bit of practice every day, every other day. So that might have affected the reason why um, <clears throat> it took so long to heal. Uh, also, if Nadal's return uh, from uh, his pulling, uh, first tournament since pulling out of the U.S. Open, uh, said he's uh, extra motivated coming into the Paris Masters once the end uh, the season high note. Um, he's never, you know, acknowledged he's never won the uh, finals. So for him, getting good confidence and having a good tournament run here is uh, what he's really pulling for and motivated to do. So that way he goes into the uh, uh, World Tour Finals um, with some momentum and some uh, positive thoughts uh, on there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, this is obviously something he's been looking to do coming back uh, at the Paris Masters. We've heard about this for 
uh, weeks now. That this was the what he was targeting in terms of the date and the tournament to kind of make his comeback. Uh, if he's fully healthy, I think you know he if he wants to go out there and give this his all. He's only got a couple more events for the rest of the year, and then you know the season's over. He can relax for a brief period of time, and then really start prepping for next year. So, you know, all he can do is go out there now and just see what happens and see how his body responds um, in an actual match, not not practice, not, uh, you know, pick up matches with guys that he knows on tour and see what happens. And as for his results this week, I think he's looking, I mean, obviously, if he can make a deep run or, or get to the finals, that'd be great. But I think he's realistic uh, in his uh, idea of what he can achieve, especially when he hasn't played in, in months. So I'm thinking that if he can make it to even just the quarters, uh, he'll look at that as a positive result moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, the <clears throat> two other things for extra motivation. A, he's got one more Master Series title than Djokovic, something he wants to keep uh, ahead of. Can't let Djokovic win. B, is uh, he's got the slimmest of margins of lead over Djokovic. So if Djokovic makes it to any round further than the dog, uh, he's going to re- uh, regain that. Well, not regain because he hasn't lost ahead this year, but he's going to gain the number one ranking. Um, from the doll, and then the doll would have to do some <clears throat> light work in the World War final to, um, to get it back. So, um, a lot of motivation, um, for this particular tournament for him. So, I'm excited to see how it goes. Uh, see, <clears throat> next part was uh, a little bit more recent of a development. Uh, Andre Agassi is, uh, coaching, uh, Grigor Dimitrov at the Paris Masters. Uh, flew out Saturday afternoon. Uh, linked up with him today on the practice courts. There are some photos. Um, too much was said about it, but I'm assuming it's obviously like a trial basis. Same thing, uh, how it was with Djokovic with Agassi. And I guess we'll see how this goes. And, and there's no for Dimitrov to have, you know, a legend as a coach. And I think, I think that would do well for Dimitrov. Yeah, I think it could. You know, at this point in time, he really doesn't have a choice. I mean, he's got to pull out all the stops. He's got to go. A little crazy here in terms of what he attempts to do. I mean, he's got to think outside the box. He's got to go outside comfort zone. his comfort yeah. zone. He needs he needs to start because look, Dimitrov, I believe, is twenty seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, look, he's twenty seven years old, and yes, sure, he might be a late bloomer. He might be a Stan Wawrinka, but you can't count on that. And Stan Wawrinkas are rare. In this game, they don't usually peak in their late twenties and early thirties. Um, it can happen, sure. And there's also a possibility that Dimitrov can make a a Cinderella run and do like a one-off, win a Grand Slam. That's it, kind of like Roddick, but later in his career. But you know, for all that promise that Dimitrov showed early in his career, when it seemed like he was going to be the next guy, uh, he's really wasted a lot of opportunities. He's had infuriatingly long stretches in his career when he has done nothing. I mean, just the kind of stretches that Djokovic used to have uh, way back. I mean, I'm talking back early in his career, back in like 2006, uh, 2007 and 2008, even after he'd won his first Grand Slam when he would just disappear for long stretches of the the calendar. Uh, But that's Dimitrov 
most of the time these days. So I say, great, you know, if this works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, at least you tried. But you've got to do something because the time, <clears throat> the, the clock is ticking on his career. It's crazy to say at 27, but the fact is, there's guys that are older than you that are still winning, and there's guys that are a lot younger than you that are hungry, and they've already passed you. So you better do something. Yeah, like, like Zverev. Yeah, yeah like Zverev oh. is, a, is an example because Dimitrov has the World Tour Finals. That's it's a great it's a great thing to win, um, but that's really it in my opinion. Besides some other, t- I mean, he doesn't have a lot of titles. He has, he has a couple of titles. Yeah, he has a um, few Cincinnati Masters. Yeah, well, he, he won. Yeah, he, he had the Cincinnati Masters and then the ATP Finals. So like he ended last year in a good note, got to number three in the world. Um, but before that, he went on a three year drive. You know, he won one title in 13, three and 14, and then nothing until last year. But you've got it. You know, now he's down to number 10. He was number ranked number three at the end of November after winning the World Tour Finals. And it's just slowly dropped in ranking. And now he's ranked 10th. So, yeah, it's I think Agassi can help him a bit because Agassi, if uh, people maybe don't know and if they do, they can recall, um, you know, lost. Two or three Grand Slams in a row. I mean, he lost every yeah. Grand Slam he was favored in until he won the French, which no, was no, his no. first Grand Slam. No, no, no. no. He, oh, Wimbledon, sorry. Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah. He lost the two Frenchets because he lost to Courier and he lost to yeah, uh, somebody it, else. It was the first. It was uh, Andreas Gomez. <clears throat> it was in 1990. That was it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, the first couple of finals that he went into, he was favored and lost those. So uh, Dimitri's never been to a final yet, but I think there's a little bit of parallel where he just, he can't break through and Agassi knows how that was and how that felt and can maybe get him going in the right direction and go, look, I've been there, you know, I made it to the finals and I lost a few in a row, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm hoping, you know, cause I like Dimitrov. Um, he's not an arrogant person. He's not, you know, vocal or mean. He's a pretty nice guy. So he's actually, you know, a, a pretty good one on So we'll see if this blossoms into a full-blown coaching um, a coaching position for Agassi or if it'll just crumble. So, All right, let's move right. on to WTA, right? Moving on to the WTA side, yes, you, Mr. Echo, um, <laughs> is uh, pretty big, actually. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but big in terms of recently, other than, um, uh, not Serena Williams, their sister, um, Venus, and, and her dealing with uh, her disease and she has Crohn's, I believe it is, Mike. I think it's um, Crohn's, yeah. Caroline Wozniacki has rheumatoid arthritis. Um, it's a, been an issue since the past summer. It causes uh, inflammation in your joints. So joint aches, your body feels heavy. She thought she had the flu earlier this year. Um, and it's something you'd be surprised. A lot of people hear rheumatoid arthritis. And if you're in the United States, you hear commercials all the time talking about rheumatoid arthritis. And But guess who's in the, in the commercials? Old people. Okay. But actually, a little tip for people who don't know this, and I don't know why I know this, just absorbing information, there is more people under the age of 65 that have rheumatoid arthritis than people over it. It is a disease um, that that does hit people. There's been a big uptick in the past couple of decades in, in people in their 20s to 30s getting it. And a lot of people don't know. Because it's not something you look at. They don't say it. They don't go to the doctors. So it, it gets misdiagnosed as something else uh, just because it's not something people, you know, people pops Madville, things like that. So it, it's actually something that affects younger people a lot more 
um, than what we see on TV. So it's definitely something she's going to have to deal with. Yeah, and I think I think she'll be fine. Uh, it's something that I'm sure they've already come up with a plan for uh, coming in, going into next season. I think they'll they'll have it. Yeah, she just won. I mean, obviously, it's not that bad. She just won. Um, was it last week? Yeah, I think it was. She won. Yeah, before before the the, the finals, so last week, week before, whatever. She won um, one of those titles. So I mean, clearly, it's it, it affects you. But now, now that you know how to manage it, kind of like Venus, you know, Venus took some time off. Crohn's and whatnot, and she came back and she just learned what she needs to do. And you know, she has granted hasn't won majors, but she made it to the finals against against her sister and has won other tournaments and has been playing really well. So, and you know, Wozniacki will handle it um, with grace, I imagine. So, on the set two, set two is um, <clears throat> the tournament results. Um, Roger Federer defeated Marius Kopel seven six six four match at the Basel Open. This, of course, after Copil upsets Alexander Zverev in the semifinals. Um, I kind of didn't expect it to be this close. I was like, oh, you know, you, you have like the match of your life. You you beat Zverev. Okay, you get to the finals and you're going against Federer, maybe nerves or whatnot, but he actually played better than I expected. The score was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. They clocked uh, Copel's uh, serve in the first set. Uh, they're the first game of the first set. He hit a 151 mile per hour bomb. So did he? I didn't see yeah. that. <laughs> so he can he can he can rip Dang. gigantic serves. Yeah, because he's he's Russian or Romanian. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's uh, and I he's 27. Yeah, he's 27 as well too. So I mean, hey, you, you not like you can't be a late bloomer. We saw stand it. So it's not to read into this a whole lot, but you know you, you got to take uh, some good stuff away from Marius from this. So sure, it's a good run uh, for him. Next, yeah, right. good run, good points, good experience, especially against guys. Uh, next one was the Vienna Open. Uh, Kevin Anderson uh, defeated Nisha Corey. Key Nisha Corey six three seven six to win the Vienna Open um, is a really bad thing for Nisha Corey here. He's got a streak going of consecutive losses in an ATV final, and he's now up to nine. Uh, that's the streak that you want to have. Um, granted, it's not, I'd say nine consecutive fi- losses in ATV final is not quite as bad in my opinion as who had the five US Open final losses? Oh, that was Lendl. Yeah, Lendl. That one stings a little more, even though this is a, more numbers. That one, I... I say is worse but I, he's got to do something there's some mental block or something's going on when he gets to the final he just can't get over the hump <laughs> he yeah, can't get, get over the hump the last hump. i don't know i don't know what it is but <clears throat> you know hopefully he breaks it at some point because you know he's japanese number one player um and you know he's been a great guy always in the top 10 and he's, I think he's eight or nine so he's not floundering but you can't keep doing this. So he's got to figure that out with the coach and, and we'll see what he does. If he, I don't know if he makes it to the finals because of that now um, in the rankings. Do you know if he, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, or no, no, yeah, he's not eight. He's nine. Okay. So yeah, he's fighting for it. So he's got to reach. That's what it was. I remember reading it. He has to reach the semifinals to qualify. And that's assuming the team in Chilich also don't, May get to the semifinals or greater. So if if Chich makes it to the semifinals and Team also makes it to the semifinals, Nishikori won't make it 
um, unless he wins it, and then team would maybe not make it. So it's like there's we're down to the wire here for for Nishikori. He needs to do something and do it quickly, otherwise his season's going to be over this week. So uh, on to the WTA. Um, the World Tour Finals in Singapore. The final was won by Alina Zvitalina, which I'm sure I didn't get to talk to Mikey yet. I'm sure he's pretty excited about because, you know, we, we've her to win multiple tournaments this year that she hasn't really fulfilled in. Uh, so she defeated Sloane Stevens 3-6-6-2-6-2. Uh, it is her biggest title to date. Um, so congratulations to her. I, I hope it's not like a Dimitrov to where it's her biggest title. And then it, it just it's all downhill from here for her. She needs to ride this wave, come in the next season um, with, with you know, she got motivation, but confidence, and then do something in Australia. What's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Look, I uh, I think that, um, you know, Spitalina is uh, a player who – has been knocking on the door for quite some time. Okay. I mean, she's somebody who has all the tools necessary. She's got the, she's got the strokes. She's got the power. She has the athleticism. She's a complete player, but for one reason or another, well, I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's in her head. That's the problem. It's the yeah, mental, mental. Yeah. the mental part that's really been an issue with her. So, um, you know, I think when it comes to Svitolina, this was a massive, massive win for her. This is um, this could well, this could be the thing that propels her forward. It's what we thought was going to happen with Dimitrov last year. It, it didn't translate into this season, and let's hope that Svitolina can take this victory and say, finally, in her head, say. I can do this. I can go into next season. I can be the one and let's see what happens. So um I agree. I do agree. Okay. All right. So um let's move on to set 3. So we're going to uh, let's take a look at the World Tour finals uh and kind of review the 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 week and and mostly we're going to focus on obviously Svitolina uh versus Stevens here, but Let's uh, just kind of briefly look at the week that was. Um, well, before you do that, yeah. <clears throat> only because it's the finals, but I throw it out there just because. So before we go to the review, stepping back to the finals, uh, I'm just going to throw out the doubles for the women's because it's worth saying. I mean, it's the finals. So um, the number two seed defeated number one seed. So Siniakova and Krejcikova have uh, been the number one women's team all year long. The number two seed, uh, Babos Ladenovic. Um, I believe it was Kiki because it was K, right? Isn't that Kiki? I don't remember which one of these because there's a couple of Miladenoviches. So they took him out in straight sets, uh, six, four, seven, five, uh, to take the title, snatch the title away from the number one seed. So congratulations to them, um, you know, you know, tearing down the number one seed. And again, I didn't say this, Zvitalina and Stevens, uh, I didn't mention the seeds, but Zvitalina was number six and Stevens was number five. So that goes to show that that was a bit of upset in terms of the way seedings happen for those two to even reach the finals. Um, the doubles kind of just followed followed the formula. Uh, they both made it. But again, um, congratulations to them. Uh, and now back to the review of the WTA. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, all right, let's let's look. Uh, so we have some of the players that did well and some that didn't do very well. Uh, the the one I, I guess the one that I think was most and um, disappointed in was Kvitova. Uh, Kvitova didn't win a single match all week. Uh, 
she yeah. she pretty much was beaten regardless of who she faced, whether it was Wozniacki. Um, she faced um, uh, Pliskova and lost. I mean, she just did not have a particularly good week. I thought she might have at least a little bit of success, but I didn't think she. I didn't think she would go winless. Now, people that there's like Osaka, um, Naomi Osaka kind of was a mixed result. She she won, but then she lost. She did get injured there towards the end stages of the tournament uh, because you know she lost to uh, Kiki Burton. She won the first set six three, and then she retired due to injury. So that's unfortunate. Wait, well, I have a question. Who did you say didn't win a match all week? Uh, uh, Petra Kvitova. Okay, okay, yeah, no, you're yeah. right, you're right. Uh, Pet- yeah, so Petra Kvitova, uh, Naomi Osaka, she, like I said, she had mixed results. Kind of the same thing for Wozniacki. She she did have uh, a good good matches, but then she also, you know, I think lost matches where I kind of would Well, she beat Kvitova, her. and the way Kvitova was playing, you almost say that's not as great of a win. But then Svitolina. Yeah. And, she, and there was a strong, it was a strong loss to Svitolina, I yeah. got to say, because it was a three-setter. She had taken the first set, um, but she just couldn't do Because, I mean, uh, she lost against Pliskova in straight sets. And uh, so, yeah, she was only one and two, but the way Kvitova was playing, it almost says, like, it the win wasn't, is worthy <laughs> as it as it would have been against like somebody else. Yeah, and the first day she lost to to Pliskova, and Pliskova was the one that looked the best. I mean, very early on, for the first two or three days, she was the one that looked like she was going to be the one to run to the final and just basically sprint to the trophy. She was playing that well, but uh, then she lost to Svinolina. Uh That obviously was a tough loss because it was a three setter. You know, and then she lost. Um, you know, uh, she lost to Sloane Stevens in the semifinals. So that was uh, a tough loss because she won the first set six zero. I mean, she blew Stevens off the court. Stevens wasn't playing well, but Pushkov was also playing very well. And then after that, Stevens turned it around and she won six four six one. So yeah. it was a pretty straightforward, straightforward victory after that terrible first set. I will say it was a little unfortunate for a soccer she had to retire against Burton's now. Because she won the first set six three, um, and who who knows what would have happened? Because I mean, Kurt Burton's barely lost to Svitolina. It was seven five six seven six four. I watched so that match. That that was yeah, that was the slimmest of margins. And I'm not saying that Burton's is not as good as Osaka, but you know you gotta you gotta think potentially Osaka is a little bit more of a power hitter than Burton's is. Um, that Osaka could have won that. Just judging by the ways of Elena Burton's, and then you could have had a Stevens Osaka uh, repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> could have been for the final, but you know, uh, unfortunately, Osaka goes down with, uh, you know, was injured and had to retire. Um, and then that's what I think opened the door for Svitolina, in my opinion. Not that she didn't deserve it, and she fought in the final to win. <clears throat> She's down a set, and then came back six two six two, but. I do look at Osaka's retirement as, as like, all right, that made the road easier because you had to play Burton instead of Osaka. I'll, I'll tell you what. I watched that match, that Burton's match. The fact is Burton's was winning that, that first set. It, she let that first set get away from her, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, Burton's – the fact is Fidelina won that first set um, is just terrible because Burton's was up 5-3 and then yep. Fidelina came back. Four, four yep. straight games. Yep. Just- 
and then and then she she came back. She won that second set, and then the third set was a seesaw. I mean, it was just back and forth. Um, it was scrappy. It was a mixture of excellent play and then just infuriatingly bad play. Just shots. You're like, why did you make? Why did you do that? That's just terrible. But uh, yeah. ultimately, you know, it was it was high quality uh, for the most part up until that that's kind of scratchy final set. But uh, the finals match. You know, Stevens came out hot. Um, she was pushing Svitolina around. Svitolina couldn't seem to find any opening whatsoever for the most part in that first set. And it this has got to be infuriating for Sloane Stevens because this is the second major match this year, Eric, where she has won the first set and she's gone on to lose the, the tournament. And the first being the French Open where mm-hmm. she won the first set. She was up a break in the second set over Halep, and then Halep came storming back, and then of course we know won her first Grand Slam. But here Stevens was rolling, and then boom! It's like after she won that first set, Svitolina came out. She was a different player. She played much, much better, and Stevens just she seemed to kind of like lose her focus after that first set. She wasn't the same player. She didn't seem to be in it as much. Svitolina was playing better, and then after Svitolina won that second set, it just like – I don't know. Like the light died in Stevens' eyes, you know? Yeah. Sort of seemed yeah. like to me. So, it did. But, you know, hey, it's great for Svitolina. You know, let's see if she can take this and run with it next season. Go into the offseason. Be super, you know, overjoyed. This is your biggest title you've ever won in your career. Let's see what you can do next. You now ha- – look, she's like what, 20 – I believe she's 23 or 24 now. Uh, I think she's 23. So she's she's still really young. But this is about the time she should be making that leap, right? And she's been knocking on the door for two years now. This is the time she needs to finally make that jump. It is. But we'll see if, if she's willing to take it. That's going to be the big question. Some yeah. people are just reluctant. All right, Eric. Let's move on to the Paris Masters. This is set four. Uh, this is our Paris Masters preview. So, Derek, this is obviously a big tournament. It's a Masters 1000 title. It's indoors, so uh, there are certain players that this is great for, and that would be Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. Uh, they are in the same side of the draw. Uh, and then in the top half, of course, Rafael Nadal makes his return. But you know what? He's got a lot of guys up there in the top half. If we're looking at Nadal, it's not easy. He's got um, – Borna Chorich up there, who's a possibility if he were to be able to get past, um, you know, play, players like uh, uh, Daniel Medvedev, who he could be facing in the next round because uh, Chorich gets a first round by. And then, you know, you've got other floaters in there like Gilles Simone, uh, Luca versus Luca Pui, who the winner of that would go on to face Dominic Team, but. You know, Dominic Team is somebody you don't want to face, obviously, for Nadal, because that would be a quarterfinal matchup. Uh, below that is Alexander Zverev. People in his portion of the draw that might be, you know, tough would be Francis Tiafo. Um, you also have Alex Dimenor, uh, uh, as well as Diego Schwartzman. Uh, you have Kyle Edmund also down there with John Isner. In uh, Karen Kakanov or Hachinov, uh, excuse me. So uh, it's a fairly loaded top half. 
as well. I think it's pretty much loaded across the board, though. If you go to the bottom half, Eric, uh, the first quarter of the bottom half, you got Kevin Anderson down there. You've got Nikolas Basilishvili. You have uh, Nishikori, who Anderson just defeated, uh, we talked about earlier. You have Fabio Fanini, uh, Roger Federer down there with Milos Raonic. These are these are players that are are tough. They're it's gonna be t- it's gonna be difficult. There's gonna be some, I think there's gonna be some upsets yeah, on both sides of the draw this week. And then of course in the bottom uh, portion of this part of the draw, you have Marin Cilic, you have uh, Grigor Dimitrov down there, you have uh, Stefano Sitsipas, uh, Demir Zumzer. Uh, Zoomser, and you have uh, Novak Djokovic, of course, down at the very bottom. So it's a loaded, it's a loaded uh, tournament. It's a Masters 1000. It's a big deal. All the players that aren't injured are here. Nadal makes his return. So Eric, I'm going to pose a question for you. Do you think Nadal has a legitimate chance to actually win the Paris Masters right now? I do. Okay. I think so. Why? Think- why, why is that? I think because at the end of the season, um, while Djokovic is kind of on a roll um, per se, I just think that everybody else has been a bit worn. Like Federer just got done. And like a lot of people just got done uh, with the little tournaments. And you're talking about jumping into a Paris, whereas while Nadal had had a lot of match play since, you know, anyone, any at all, but practicing since the U.S. Open – Everybody else has been playing and wearing themselves down more and more, and you're you know what's going on. Whereas normally it's Nadal for the most part. You know, it, like was it last year he had to retire? Yes. Wasn't it last yep. year he had to retire? Yep. You know, so he, he like never goes into the World Tour finals healthy for the most part. Maybe once that he was otherwise, you know, he, he's, he's beaten up and worn down just from the season. So um, I think, like, again, a couple motivating factors. We know the top three guys, they don't really care per se about the number one and, and keeping it. But in, in, when you're searching for motivations, there's a few things. You know, you were injured at the US Open, you had to pull out. That's going to be on your mind. Maybe a little fire there. You still want to keep the number one if you can help it. All right. It's not going to, you know, he's going to play the tournament anyway. He's not playing it just to try to keep it. He's playing it because he's healthy enough to play it. Um, you know, you want to. For, for confidence, you need match wins. You need points. You want to go into the World Tour Finals with a win would be nice. Um, so yeah, I believe he's going to give it everything he's got, short of you know killing himself and not maybe going that far. But he's going to give it everything he's got, um, just because that's the type of competitor he is. And you know he hasn't played for months now. Um, you know you get that itch to come back and play. He knows there's only two tournaments left. He's got this one. And he's not doing anything else in between the finals and then the finals, and he's going to be off again. So. If you're going to come back, you might as well come back and, and, and give it your all. Or why even bother coming back? Just take the rest of the year off, really rehab, and come in the next year insanely fresh. That's what helped him um, at the end of 2016 when you know him and Fed both basically took off. He came back right towards the end of the year, but then both of them their years and split the Grand Slams. So uh, I, I think he's going to come back and give it 100% effort, and I think he's got, he's got a legitimate chance to win. I'd peg him at about... 35 percent 30 35 and i'm gonna put it like i'd say give Djokovic about a 60 and then i mean i'm not doing percentages all based out of 100 he's got about a 
35. Jerry Rich is about a 60. I'd say put Fed up there at 50, 40, something like that. You know, so in terms of it, I wouldn't put him as a favorite, but I'd put him in like, in my opinion, like third. Okay. Just because he's going to be really fresh. Right. Well, you know, fresh. And then there's the flip side of fresh, which is also rusty. Uh, rusty. He, yeah. But he's, you know, as of right now, um, his, yeah, he can, he's going to have a, a, a difficult, not a difficult second round match. Um, you know, he's going to play Shardy or Verdasco. Verdasco is definitely the trickier of the two, but Verdasco's had a lot of match play. And then, yes, all right, the next round he could play Shapovalov, could play Sock, but I really don't see anything crazy until the quarterfinal matchup against maybe Team. And Team's one that I would peg as lots of matches this year, and you don't know which team's going to show up, tired team or super energized team. So. Yeah, I mean, look, we don't know what's going to happen here. I just posed that question. Obviously, we know Djokovic is the consensus uh, front runner at the moment. Um, you know, obviously, winning a couple Grand Slams, and then he's been he's kind of been tearing it up lately in general. So right now, and this has always been his his favorite part of the year. I mean, yes, he's enjoyed you know. Uh, the the spring hardcourt season. He's he's enjoyed the summer hardcourt season. Obviously, those are all great. But let's face it, the Asian swing, uh, the fall hardcourt is where he really blossoms. It's a lot of indoor uh, tournaments, which are perfect for him. It's what he loves most. It's why he cleans up this time of year. He and Fed love indoors. Therefore, this is where they clean up and this is where they play their best. So it's no wonder that that Djokovic and Federer are the ones that are probably favored more than anybody else. So let's um, let's jump into it, Eric. Why don't we just get down to the nitty gritty and give our picks for sure. this? So uh, I'll tell you what, I'll start out. So for me, I took a look at the draw and I'm like, okay, I, I know some of these matchups are going to be good for some players. Some are going to be bad. But when I looked at everything and I really calculated in my head based on how are these things going to shake out, who's going to upset this player, who's going to make a deep run, all in all, I thought, you know, Nadal is going to make it to the quarters and he's going to meet Dominic Team. This is going to be a rematch of the U.S. Open. And we know that match. It was an epic, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Uh, and deserves to be up there among the greats of all time. But I think that we've seen Dominic bounce back from that loss. He's won hardcore ma- uh, hardcore uh, title a few weeks ago. He definitely seems to have put that behind him. And I think if he were to face Nadal, he would be out for revenge. And I hate to say it, but I think that given the fact that Nadal may be fresh, but he's also going to be a little rusty. And that's where I think I worry about Nadal and his chances here. Uh, The first tournament back is always a little difficult. Yes, you can hit a great patch of play and ride it to to the end and win the tournament. But you can also find yourself struggling to, you know, you know, kind of hitting a, a peak form or even something close to your peak for uh, for long stretches in a tournament like this, given that it's your first one back. So for me, I see this uh, match as team against Nadal. Nadal's not really back to where he should be at this point, given the the lack of play. Team is sharp. He's 
he's ready, he's motivated, and I think that motivation gets him over the line. I think uh, Dominic takes Nadal out in a three-setter. Uh, and then next up, I have Kyle Edmund taking on Alex Dimonor. De- uh, I see Dimonor upsetting Alexander Zverev in that portion of the bracket. And I think Edmund's been making a nice run uh, all year in terms of like his general play week to week. He's fairly consistent, and uh, I see Edmund defeating Alex Dimonor. De- uh, then I have Federer defeating Kevin Anderson. Uh, I don't really see either player really having much to deal with there. And so, but I think, you know, Federer in the same way as team wants to defeat Anderson because Anderson took him out at Wimbledon. And I think Federer is ready to go and he's motivated. And then I have Djokovic taking out Marin Cilic. I just think Djokovic isn't going to be defeated by anybody right now, at least at that portion of the tournament. All right. So then move on to the semis, Eric. Um, actually, actually, why don't we do this? Eric, why don't you give me your quarterfinal picks and then we'll move on to the semis. All right. So my quarterfinal picks do marry slightly. I do have Nadal and team getting to the quarterfinals. Um, I do not have Zverev as well getting the quarterfinals. I actually have, uh, Schwartzman getting to the finals. I I know you picked Alex Mm -hmm. Dimonor, um, but I feel that Schwartzman is going to capitalize on his buy. Um, and Feliciano Lopez is going to be really tough. I believe it's going to be a tough match from Demonor, even if he wins. And there's no saying he wins. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and Diego's, you know, if Diego's on, Diego's tough. Like, you know, we see when Nadal plays him, he's just like a ping pong ball. Um, so I believe that he's going to make it. Um, Big John Isner uh, is the. Um... Oh, wait, did I say quarter? Yeah, quarters. Quarter am I having? Da, da, da. So yeah, Schwartzman versus Isner. Yep, that's all right. Sorry, I got I almost mistake myself a second. Am I all in the right quarter? Yeah, I have uh, Schwartzman and Isner as my uh number two quarter. Um my number three is um gonna be uh an Anderson, um, especially coming off that win. I know he's got Basilishvili's probably gonna be, but even then if he if he doesn't and it's Milman, either one of them is gonna be good matches. I'll see Anderson pulling through, especially after the win against Nishikori, coming in strong. Um, and if they do face each other, I believe Anderson's going to win again. So Anderson against Federer. I've got um, the renewed Dimitrov. I mean, I was, I was leaning towards Chilich, but with the news of Agassi, I'm just going to put Dimitrov. I'm feeling good. And Dimitrov is Djokovic for the, fourth, uh, for the fourth quarter. So I've got Nadal beating team. Okay. Um, I've put Nadal beating team I just because I think he's fresher. Um, I think he's more motivated than team. Um, I know team needs to kind of win. So, yeah, that's ample motivation. But for the same the same part, Nadal needs to win as well to re, re, retain or regain, not regain, but keep his uh, number one ranking. So I've got Nadal winning. Um, I've got Isner beating Schwartzman. Um, I'm not I'm, – I'm thinking it is like a David versus Goliath type of match. Uh, and I know how that went back in the day. But I believe Goliath is going to win this time. I just think John's serve is going to be too much. Diego to overcome. Um, however, when they get into rallies, that's where Diego is going to be a lot more dangerous. So John's going to have to be able to follow up his bad serves um, with some decent ground strokes. Um, I've got Federer beating Anderson. Uh, I don't assume, I don't expect, um, I mean, both of them won this weekend. Um, I just know with also the news of, of Federer's, you know, injury, hand injury is no longer bugging him. 
Uh, I do believe that that's going to make it um, harder for Anderson to beat him as opposed to, say, like a month or two ago. Uh, and then I've got the upset of the tournament, Dimitrov taking out Djokovic. Um, a, only because I think they're going to meet each other. And while not the same, Agassi was Djokovic's coach. So um, I'm thinking maybe some insider information there on Djokovic's does this. I mean, Djokovic is is a creature of habit to an extent, just like no, uh, just like Nadal, just like Fed. So there's going to be some stuff there that's still going to be relevant, even though Agassi hasn't coached him for a while now. That I believe he's going to uh, take advantage of and and going to beat Djokovic. So um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so so uh, so I'll say you, I just said it, but I'll say it. So Nadal Isner semi, and then Federer Dimitrov semi. So that's where I'm at. Okay. Um, for my semifinal, I have Dominic Team uh, defeating Cow Edmund. Uh, I think it's a match where I think it'll both will be playing well. Big, powerful tennis, big grown strokes. But I think Team has a little bit of an edge when it comes to the defense. And I think that that spin is going to cause problems, going to push Edmund back. And it's going to allow Dominic team to control more of the rallies than Edmund, which I think results in team winning. And then I have Djokovic taking out Federer. Uh, I just, I mean, look, I'm not saying Roger can't win. He can, but I don't know if two weeks in a row of tournaments is going to work in Roger's favor. And I also think that Djokovic right now is just playing at such a high level that I just can't, I just can't pick against him. I mean, Obviously, we're Nadal fans, but I've got to be honest. I got to stick with my intuition here, my gut, and I got to go with uh, Djokovic. And uh, I'm going to go to the final, and I have Djokovic taking out Dominic Team, and Djokovic winning yet another Paris Masters, of course. And if he does so, he will. Well, he will have already ascended to number one, but of course, in winning this, it will cement him as the year end number one. But yep. um. That's what I'm. I'm picking. I mean, don't get me wrong. Well, it I'm, wouldn't cement him as the number one because the finals worth twelve hundred or fifteen hundred or something like that if you win. So if he does not make it to the semifinals of the finals and Nadal wins it, he can snatch it back. It is possible. Also, it depends on how far Nadal goes here. Now, if it follows your prescription, maybe. But if Nadal makes it to say the semis and Djokovic wins. Djokovic is still going to pass him, but the point is only going to be in the um, maybe six, seven hundred point range, and still something he can easily gain back with the finals. So it will be out of the question if Djokovic wins. However, if Nadal loses in the second round and Djokovic wins, then that's going to be difficult. But All right. What about your semis? Still not involved. What about your semis picks and final picks? All right. So um, I've got pretty pretty straightforward here. Um, I've got. Nadal beating Isner, and I've got Dimitrov beating Federer, and I've got Nadal, Dimitrov, and I've got Nadal winning. Okay. That's pretty pretty much <laughs> pretty much it. Not a whole lot of uh, Oh, I hate to say it, buddy, but that, that, that sounds like wishful thinking to me. I mean I'm it, hope I hope that I'm wishful thinking, right, but, I'm wrong, but but I've been playing the I don't know what we can say by playing the percentages in terms of what's normally been supposed to happen. And every time we do that, it throws us the curveball. So I'm throwing the curveball first this time and seeing what's gonna happen. Funny about curveballs, the World Series is on. So uh in, in an hour. But um yeah, that's what I have. I have Nadal I'm having it all winning. 
Um, and it is wishful thinking because he is, he is coming back. But is this nah, – see, I, I was thinking it was another motivation. I, mean, I could be wrong. Isn't this one he never won or did he win Paris? He's won Paris, hasn't he? Because uh, I know there's a couple that all hasn't. He hasn't won Shanghai. Okay, and, and it was like Miami or I think Wells. It's one of those I, two. He I think he either. won Paris. I think the only ones he needs to win, I believe, and I'm not saying I know this for sure. I think it's I think it's Shanghai. I believe it's Shanghai and it's Miami. I think there's. Oh, I'm looking because I swore, I swore Paris was one. Yeah, I don't see Paris anywhere here because I'm looking through all he, of his. I thought he won that in 2005. Right No, Monte Carlo, Rome, Canada, and Madrid. If he did win Paris, it wasn't even a Masters back then. Yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing Paris anywhere because I thought there was three that yeah, he needed. It might be. Cincinnati, Canada. Yeah, no, I, I see absolutely no – I see no Paris. Actually, the easiest thing I should have done was to just click on the Paris icon here because everybody knows we have the, the, the thing and no absolutely not <laughs> that's the easiest thing it shows us the last like 40 years uh well 30 years actually of winners and he did not uh 2005 was Burditch. uh a spaniard did win it the only spaniard to ever win it was uh ferrer actually in 2012 so isn't that something spaniards don't in the neighboring country i mean they, we do well at the french open but not uh not at paris at the masters that's for sure yeah. Who is yep. uh who's Roger's uh coach? Federer? I don't know if he has a coach it's, right now. Yeah, it says it, it says Lubicic. Lubicic is still probably it. He's still a, a Severin Luthi. Um so I think Lubicic still is, but Roger's a guy that, you know, he probably calls you when he wants you to come to a match to coach him or something. Oh. Oh, by the way, <laughs> but, by the way, it it was in Madrid. And that's when Nadal won in 2005. It was when it was on a hard court. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't wasn't clear. That's why I thought I was thinking Paris, but it was Madrid. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, look. Uh, regardless, uh, let's see what happens in Paris. You know, anything can happen. Um, you never know. So we'll see how everything plays out. And of course, next week we'll be back to break that all down and uh, see what uh, the future holds. And we'll discuss whoever wins. And uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Well, yeah, so, yeah, because after the. Paris. So, I mean, just so people know, after the Paris, when we do the recap, we will be doing the preview for the next gen ATP finals. Uh, that's in Milan yep. um, for the under 21s or mm-hmm. under something like that. Um, and after that, on the 11th is the NATO ATP finals in London. So uh, we will be doing the review for Paris and preview for the next gen ATP next week. Yep. So look forward to that. And uh, don't be afraid to send in some feedback to us at tennisaddictpodcast at gmail.com. You can find it also in the show notes on iTunes. So uh, let us know what you think, and we'd be happy to hear from you. So until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Addict Podcast by Freaking Geeks Media. Be sure to visit freakinggeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash freaking geeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps. If you would like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to tennisaddictpodcast at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanik or at Freak Geeks. 
Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.